Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CDL Podcast channel. In this episode today, we are going to be going over uh, the recent just random drop of Halo out of the blue, uh, some of the tournaments that have been played in Call of Duty over the last couple uh, days here. Then we're going to talk about another process episode, just like the last one. We got another process one. This one isn't as detailed, only eight minutes long, but kind of goes into more detail about the Optic Envy merger. And then we're going to talk more Vanguard and the upcoming CDL season. Uh, if you enjoy this video, please be sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe, as well as drop a follow on the audio platforms and on Twitter. Uh, the support on the last podcast was just insane. It was one of our best performing podcasts, both on the audio platforms and on YouTube. Uh, tons of new subs, tons of new interaction on the video, a bunch of likes, like one of our highest like totals. So I really appreciate the support. Kyle and I both appreciate it. It's awesome to see that when we put hard work into preparation of a podcast and recording that it doesn't go unnoticed and people are enjoying what we're putting out. So we really appreciate that one and look forward to getting into this one. Uh, but before we do, Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I, uh, you know, I, I'm starting to get that feeling that, you know, the the content is writing itself. Um we're we're kind of in a in a rhythm now with getting pods recorded on uh you know I think on Mondays uh at least at the moment and then uh you know getting them up and uh really excited to see how the last one performed and uh you know I, I think like I said I think it was one of our better uh you know obviously because of the, because of the process and everything uh the content was just abounding but uh yeah mm-hmm. just excited to get into everything today. Yeah, I feel like, like you said, content is starting to write itself. We're not having to brainstorm and message each other all week to come up with an idea to fill a podcast. It's more like instead of trying to come up with ideas to fill podcasts, we're actually just like, hey, here's all this stuff. What stuff should we cut? Because we have so much stuff to actually talk about now, which is the best place to be. You can really talk about kind of the best topics. But today, we, like we said, a lot of Halo news. I know this isn't maybe as much of a Halo uh, crowd on this podcast. Obviously, you guys that are listening are CDL fans. You love Call of Duty. But we got to touch a little bit on Halo because some of the things uh, we're not going to like go into detail about like the game Halo because that might not be what you guys are interested in. But we're going to kind of compare and contrast a little bit to Call of Duty, maybe some of the glaring issues with what Halo has that we don't have uh, off their really like their beta launch. But I think that's what we're going to start today with the news. Uh, Halo Infinite was released today. I believe it was like more of like a multiplayer beta, they're calling it because the game was supposed to release on like December 7th. Uh, I don't think it's going to have campaign off launch, just multiplayer. And then they basically just like dropped it, I I think, at least as a beta or maybe even the full game. I haven't gotten into it yet. I'm probably going to going to play after we hit uh, end recording. But the game dropped today. It had team skins for all the teams that are in the HCS, which is the Halo Championship Series, the competitive league. And it has a ranked play on launch with full out like built ELO system, I believe. And you can play right now, play your placements. So kind of a slap in the face to us Call of Duty fans that like they say how impossible it is. But, you know, Halo just did it, dropped it right in front of us, just randomly out of the blue. So you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's kind of disappointing uh, for, you know, people that uh, in the Call of Duty scene, you know, the obviously the call of duty games only operate on like a, an eight or a nine month lifespan. Um, so, you know, every day that goes without competitive modes and ELO and skins and stuff is just wasted time and money um, that they could be getting back in like, uh, you know, microtransactions in the stores or even whatever. Um, and yeah, obviously excited for the halo scene that they get uh you know the, at least the multiplayer dropped uh you know early i guess from what it was rumored yeah um 
I might even go download this thing and just see what it's about. Oh yeah. I haven't played Halo since Halo three. Uh, <laughs> I was kind of a bot at that. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure I'd really enjoy um, my time, but uh, yeah. So super excited for that. And hopefully it kind of kicks the, uh, the COD scene in the butt and gets them working. Yeah. It, it really needs to get us in gear. And I thought you brought up a really good point in there that like, I mean, I was thinking it, but I guess I honestly just kind of slipped my mind. And it's a fantastic point. You you mentioned how Call of Duty, you know, we only have the one year life cycle per game and it takes them months always to get the ranked play in, which you lose so much valuable time in Call of Duty and like the life cycle and how much hype there is in the beginning of the game to get people uh, attached to ranked play. Like when there's still like the pubs hype and the new game hype and Halo. I mean, the last Halo came out in like, what, 2015 or something. And so they have a long life cycle. Like they could wait the months that we wait to really get a ranked play out. But you know what? Nope. They drop it right off launch. They're like, here's our ranked play. Boom. So it's like, it's almost just, it doesn't make any sense. Like they have the long life cycle. They can afford to wait the couple months. And we don't have that. We have the 12 month life cycle. But really for competitive, it's only more like a 10 month life cycle because the season ends in August. And then from there on, nobody, nobody really plays as much competitive after champs uh, because most people are kind of burned out at that point of playing this game like hours and hours on end and it's getting towards the end of the year nothing to watch anymore for competitive so yeah it's unbelievable that a game like that that has multiple year life cycles is just dropping ranked off launch and here we are and they just tell us it's not possible pretty much every time and people allow them to say it they're like oh yeah like you know it's it takes time to work on it but like somebody's got to hold this billions and billions and billion dollar revenue company accountable and get us ranked on launch yeah i i mean i can't wait until um you know, maybe around May or June when we start getting the <laughs> COD 2022 rumors and stuff. And then, you know, that's going to just write its own content with like, okay, well, what did we miss out in Vanguard and what do we want to see on launch? And I think it's going to be the same stuff. It's going to be, we want team skins, you know, mm-hmm. very early on. We want competitive ELO. Um, you know, we don't just want a, like a CDL playlist like they had back in like Modern Warfare where you just get to play like the CDL rule set because, I don't know, it just... I, I think there's so much more room and like, I don't, I don't want to earn like gems and stuff with my oh, for the love of God, no. <laughs> play, placements and stuff. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of frustrating. It's like, we're beating the same drum over and over again with like, what do we want? And, uh, but yeah, so like I said, but, uh, happy to see halo people get, you know, they're off to a fast start. Yeah. They deserve it after halo four and halo five being kind of duds. They deserve to finally have, another decent competitive game and from what i'm seeing on the timeline everybody is saying this game is awesome it's amazing i played a little bit of like the early access that you could get for being like a halo insider and i thought the game was super smooth even on console and i thought it was really fun to play so uh it seems like people are optimistic but yeah i I think a common denominator for like the success of the cwl and call of duty is adam apicella esports engine they're like the league and like the company in charge of like the events and everything for Halo esports, and I don't think it's a coincidence that they're the ones kind of behind the minds of the esport uh, and the the esports league for Halo. And it just so happens that they have skins off launch and all this competitive support. And I definitely don't think that's a coincidence that those guys are involved and they've been doing everything right. So uh, I think that's pretty much all we had to talk about. Halo just wanted to r- recognize the fact that they're doing everything that we wish Call of Duty was doing, and kind of want to talk about that. If you don't have anything else, no, let's let's keep moving here. All right. The 70k boom tv spin the wheel tournament uh the variant tournament happened this past weekend uh and hitch was hitch and tst kind of were like the creators that helped get that one going and they had so the spin the wheel tournament if you didn't see it was basically like two subs from each team and then the ars from each team or the ar on the flex 
were like basically put on a wheel and the subs like they spun the wheel whatever ar duel they got matched with they became a team and the big story of it was that scump and shotzi everybody's saying it's rigged they got matched up with clay and crim i mean the content writes itself there like obviously everybody wanted that uh, but that tournament happened this past weekend the mw face team modern warfare face team minus Celium. uh so that would be simp uh bz priesta and major maniac they kind of just dominated the tournament beat envoy kenny cami and insight kind of an intriguing team in the grand finals uh and like we said some other notable teams that scump uh scump shotzi clay crim team obviously like the ultimate content they had so many viewers during this tournament uh, and then methods tj paul and venom the rumored uh potentially 12th team roster uh played together but you got any thoughts on this tournament with the old mw phase just dominating the competition i mean it looked like they uh never put the controllers down after modern warfare you know um, <laughs> yeah i mean just uh I don't know. It was just kind of interesting uh, seeing, you know, some some kind of like the the meme teams and stuff kind of team up and and play. I know, like, you know, the, the pros were still going hard, you know, trying to win, but it was just kind of fun to see the. Uh, I, I tuned into a little bit of the uh, the Scump and Clay Shotzi and yeah. team. Uh, although I, I did go and watch. Uh, I, I think I was watching Clay's POV. I was just like, you yeah, know, man, Scump has like seventy k viewers. I'm gonna go throw some to, throw some <laughs> viewers at. At, at clay or somebody who's yeah. sitting down there with like 1.1 K or something. So, uh, yeah, I was watching a little bit of that. Um, obviously I, I tuned in for like the 30 minute grand finals. Uh, you know, it, I think it was a three Oh, because, uh, the phase team came from winners. So it was, it was pretty quickly dispatched of, um, kind of anticlimactic, but you know, it was just showed the dominance that, uh, phase has on a given day. Yeah, it was, I, I was watching, uh, some of the, some of the stream as well. I was actually tuned into Krim because, I mean, those of you that listen to the podcast know I think that dude is just comedy. I love Krim. I think everything he does is funny. So I, I was tuned into him and just watching him like roast Shotzi for being nervous to talk to him. And then uh, Scump gets in and he instantly just starts roasting Scump. And it's kind of cool to see them like play together again because they seem to like be getting along just fine, have a good relationship, which is awesome to see because their relationship was always so funny with like Scump kind of just acting like an idiot and then Krim just roasted him for it. And that was kind of fun to watch that again. And they seem to be actually like vibing and playing pretty well together. And it was fun to watch. Uh, they almost lost to Karma and a bunch of retired players in the first round, but they ended up coming back. Uh, and then obviously that MW phase team dominates. I mean, those of you that are longtime listeners of the podcast, you probably thought I was like drooling when I saw that other team, Kenny and Cami on the same team. Uh, I mean, those are like my two favorite players in the CDL. I think like that team was super fun to watch and i wish it was a real team because i absolutely just love uh kenny and cammy but fun tournament to watch it was fun to get kind of our first taste of watching some variant got to watch some hard points a little chaotic uh obviously they don't know what the maps are going to be but yeah i thought the tournament was pretty fun to watch it was a great idea i would love uh for that to be like even off-season tournament ideas or just like random tournament ideas it's super fun to just like not let people pick their team but here's a sub duo here's an ar duo and just let them spin and like see what happens i think that's kind of a Kind of a fun tournament idea, so shout out to Hitch. Yeah, I thought it was, I, like you said, I thought it was fun, uh, fun idea. Definitely got a lot of viewers and oh yeah, uh, a lot of hype around the uh, the tournament. I think it was probably probably the most viewed one of all the off season, you know, shenanigans that were going down. But uh, like you said, the the, the respawn was kind of weird at times. Uh, just yeah. like you know, just. Super high engagement, hard points. I think we'll get into that when we talk about Vanguard, maybe a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. um, kind of still ironing out what the competitive maps will be, and then obviously whenever we figure out what the third game mode will be, that'll kind of come in as well. But uh, 
yeah, a good little teaser for what's to come. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll, I'll I'll reserve the rest of my Vanguard talk for when we actually get there. Yeah, uh, and then one other like funny note that you put in here: the pros uh, already made more winnings than Surge Legion Royal Ravens in the Cold War season as a whole. Um, which I mean, you put this note in here. I actually didn't hear this, but I think it's hilarious. Uh, these pros have been playing just these preseason tournaments, and they have more winnings than three of the teams did in Cold War all of last year. That's just absurd to think about. I don't know if that's more bad on those teams last year or just how good those teams have been playing. I I, I want to lean towards saying it's more bad for those other teams because it's kind of funny, but that's absurd to think about from just these preseason tournaments. Some of these players have already made more than three of the CDL teams did in in prize winnings. Yeah, it's pretty comedic to think about. Um you know the placements and you know none none of those teams being at champs either uh yeah and just how you know like (laughs) i don't know if if these players are kind of banking off of prize earnings as well as their contracts to you know make a living and stuff like obviously there's a huge disparity between the better teams and the lesser teams so i i thought it was just kind of it was kind of funny to uh (laughs) <laughs> to, to think about how much money is in these uh art you know is in these preseason you know charity events and stuff too um or i don't know if this one was charity necessarily but uh you know just it was kind of funny because uh you know obviously it's simp and abuse are just like um like they're just rolling and you know they're yeah. eclipsing you know all of like octane's earnings from cold war it's like oh man down bad <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny that's just like such a funny stat and uh i mean hopefully it turns around for some of those players this year but with with some of those teams uh like legion ew, i don't know if it's gonna get any better but we can move on talk about the the process the optic envy merger this one obviously won't be as detailed and super super long as the last one was last week we talked about for like an hour because there was so much to unpack this one was a little shorter kind of mostly like a hex monologue basically kind of talking about the the optic envy merger and some of the things he'd done in the past and his vision for the future and i thought it was a pretty interesting one to listen to because those of you that know i mean i've been following esports forever and hex is kind of like a somebody i look up to in the space as like uh, obviously i'm not an aspiring pro so like it's it's a little different looking at the pros uh, i admire what they do but like hex is a business guy i've always been kind of a business person some of what i studied in college and like just kind of see his business model and get like a deep dive into his process and his thinking is something super interesting to me so i was i was really entertained by this episode uh, it was obviously short and sweet not not something super fleshed out like the last one with the the super high production and everything and uh, editing but i thought this one was was super interesting and we can kind of dive into uh, more of the parts uh, the first one being uh, the plan was to turn basically nrg into optic uh, and that kind of fell through. He didn't go into super like a, a super detailed story as to why that was uh, him being Hex, because I mean I think that's a lot uh, for Andy Miller, the the founder and CEO of NRG. I think he obviously doesn't just want to like tell his side and just like not give him a chance to talk about it. And I don't I don't know that the relationship between the two of them is is the best anymore after uh, Hex is not with NRG anymore and they kind of split up. But it basically sounds like. They had a lot of ideas for how to try to turn NRG into Optic, and they talked about it, and it was a possibility, but it just seems like in the end, kind of fell through. They couldn't come to a full agreement on what that would look like. I have to imagine that's probably because Andy uh, Andy Miller didn't want to just completely give up his his baby NRG that he'd built. And I mean, that makes sense. I, I probably wouldn't want to do that either. So it seems like it was just a situation where uh, 
both of them wanted one thing and they just couldn't come to a full compromise. So uh, I don't know if Andy fully agreed, but Hex was like, you know what? I think it's just better to, to split up so we can both do exactly what we want. And uh, it seems like that's at least what happened to me. But yeah, the plan was originally to turn NRG into all of Optic, which would have been crazy. I mean, there would have been no Optic Envy and we'd still be kind of in the situation we were previous to this announcement. Yeah, I think uh, it was also kind of discussed uh, when Hex and Hashro went on the flank. I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen to a little bit of that, but they were kind of yeah. saying that, uh, you know, it still would have been Huntsman probably. Uh, yeah. And obviously that's something that Hex was pretty passionate about with like the branding around Huntsman and uh, everything like that. But um, yeah, I don't know. It would it'd be kind of interesting to see down the line uh if andy miller's willing to disclose or like talk about what the what the uh the process was like because uh obviously hex was saying like you know once the opportunity came back for him to reacquire optic that's kind of when you know he knew that was the only thing to do for him and Mm -hmm. that you know whether or not andy went along with it was going to be you know inconsequential uh to to him reacquiring the brand um so yeah just kind of kind of the what ifs and uh yeah you know i am not i'm not too caught up in the past with like nrg and like oh i really wanted them to be you know this the staple thing in call of duty but uh i don't know just kind of interesting to to hear hex's perspective obviously it was a really short episode of the process so you know it was kind of just more him saying like his little like sound bites and stuff that we've always heard him say ever since he reacquired optic but uh interesting nonetheless yeah it was it was super interesting to hear that as well because i think we all kind of were wondering what happened with that relationship like they're making the nrg duo podcast they seem to have a great dynamic they had good chemistry in the podcast and like listening to them talk about uh like all that was the business behind the organizations and the business behind esports and stuff was always something interesting to me to listen to. And then all of a sudden the podcast stopped. We didn't get an explanation why it stopped. Uh, Andy used to always tweet about the Huntsman and like talk about optic and stuff. And he just stopped and Hex stopped talking about NRG and like, just kind of like weird. Obviously we knew something was going on, but they just like for a long time, I've just like stopped interacting basically, which was just, I mean, kind of odd. And now we kind of, we kind of know what, what the reason for that was. And, uh, and why they basically stopped talking completely on social media and most likely behind the scenes as well. But something super interesting. It kind of makes sense why they didn't want to, why they didn't want to each give up their brand. But sad, obviously, to see it not work out. But glad that at least NRG seemingly doesn't want to be in the COD League and they were able to at least get out and uh, potentially sell that spot to Envy and hopefully sell it to somebody else and get us our 12th team. But yeah, kind of a, a weird situation. Obviously, our next little thing we were going to talk about was Hex. Uh, an optic deciding to split, but we kind of got into that, so we can move on to our next uh, point here that we wanted to talk about and dive into the process, uh, which was, um, do you buy the esports kind of as an entity, and how much more can it grow? Which I think that's maybe why Andy and NRG wanted to get out if they didn't have optic because they necessarily don't know how much the CDL can grow. I don't know if that's the case because they're in the, o- the OWL Overwatch League, which is also a big question over there: is how much more can it really grow? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, when like when Hex is monologuing there, he's like, "Oh man, we're at like level three, and it's going to go to a hundred. So like, he's talking about everything that they're doing here today is kind of like inconsequential, and everything that's been in the past of Optic is in- inconsequential, and like compared to what what he sees esports as, and like when it reaches this level a hundred, as he says, um, 
it, it just made me think a little bit like does he like obviously the growth of esports being exponential like are we just gonna like is the public just gonna assume like esports is like gonna be more and more of their lives or something because obviously it has to get more mainstream and more notoriety because i just don't know how much more like the the scene can grow or how much more i don't know it was just kind of interesting to see like he obviously hex has like this very like philosophical idea of what he sees the future of esports being it was just kind of interesting like he he spent a good like minute talking about like uh about that so I, it was just kind of interesting to me to to hear that yeah he obviously is pretty bullish on the future of esports too and i mean obviously he's going to be this is like his baby it's something he helped to build but yeah i i kind of agree with him when he talked about esports as an entity being at level three of 100 and like it can grow a bunch and stuff because like i think we're just tapped in and i think like you saw the potential of it with i mean this is gonna be weird people are probably gonna be annoyed i even mentioned this game but i think you saw the potential with fortnite like i remember like just i mean think a few years back when i was in high school and stuff like gaming and everything like playing games wasn't like something that was cool like it was like people didn't really like if you played games like people didn't talk about that much because like it wasn't something that was viewed as cool and like gaming just wasn't mainstream at all like you didn't hear like celebrities talk about it or like athletes really maybe a couple did here and there but like they didn't talk about it and now like after Fortnite and like people like a lot of celebrities and like mainstream people playing it, a lot of athletes like people are doing like deals like you got like Kyler Murray joining phase and like streaming and all these NFL players and NBA players are streaming now Anthony Davis streams GTA roleplay all the time like all these big names are streaming it and like I think we saw the potential and like the viewership in Fortnite was absurd like there was millions of people watching the World Cup and like I think we saw like the potential that like when a when a game comes out and it's good like people are willing to accept it more and like I think Fortnite blowing up like showed a lot of parents and like older people that maybe like don't know much about video games that like hey there's a big industry here there's a lot of viewers like people are making a living off this and like I think when now the people notice that there's a lot more people that are starting to invest in it we're getting franchise leagues and I think it's just a matter of time before I mean maybe we're not the size of the NFL anytime soon because that's like an insanely huge brand but I think like we are on that level three like there's a lot of room to grow now that's not a guarantee I'm not saying it's a guarantee we get to that level 100 but I really do think we're at one of the early levels, like you said, and uh, that's just a conversation I really appreciated because, like I've said a couple times here on this podcast, like the business of esports and how to grow it is something that like I'm thinking about all day and like thinking of different ideas how I can create my own lane in esports, and it's just it's it's a really interesting conversation because obviously nobody really knows where it's going to end up. We might be at the peak we're ever going to be at, and we might be at the floor, or we might be somewhere in the middle. Nobody really knows, but it's a super interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah all right moving on to the next part of the process uh hex also mentioned he mentioned this a little bit in like previous podcasts and videos like since uh, the announcement of the envy merger but he talked about um optic with resources he was kind of talking about how in the past he didn't really have resources he had optic but he didn't have like the resources that all these other orgs have and him and hitch like to call it the fake money uh when they get investor money like he's like before everybody had the fake money and the investors optic was like the thing it was the big org and everything it had the most followers, like the most fame behind it, and everybody wanted to be in Optic. Everybody watched Optic, uh, and then he talked about how like now Optic is super dangerous because it's Optic with resources, saying that he has like the backing of the corporate envy, and like all these people are just going to give him the freedom to really like be the creative behind the brand. And I think that's like something pretty powerful, and I I, I really do think it's true. I don't think he's ever had the money that like some of these people have had behind their content since we started getting big investors coming in and and dumping millions into orgs to help them grow. Uh, I, I'm interested to see where it goes. I think like their content's gonna go up because 
they've been going out of the hex quarters and they have great camera people and editors and stuff like Matt and, and I believe Josefo and Roger and all those guys work on it. And like, they do a very good job with their production, but like it's a different level when all these teams are making it out of studios and stuff. Now with NV headquarters, they have the resources to make it out of studios and have a lot more people working on the videos instead of just Roger and Matt and like a couple editors. So I think it's something super interesting and I'm excited to see potentially what optic with resources could do. I hope, I hope they try to step it up to the next level. I hope they continue to make the kind of content uh, they were making, but I hope they use these resources and I believe he will to like fully step things up and get to that like hundred thieves level production. Cause like hundred thieves has that huge production team and they're, they're like, I don't know, just the vision of their videos and how much actually goes into them is I think like next level and above any other esports. So, uh, or any other like esports org. So I'd be interested to see, I, I think optics really going to kind of improve. And I, I, I feel like I'm behind what he said. I think optic this is the first time they have real like corporate resources and backing. Yeah, I kind of came at it from a different angle, to be honest, with, uh, like, does this mean that he's able to, like, actually hire more, like, people for the competitive side or something? Or, um, like, who knows if in the past maybe they wanted to bring on an analyst or another coach or something and that he just didn't yeah. have the the money there? Um, because obviously we know that, obviously the the content is, you know, second to none, really, with, like, you know how how much work the process uh you know takes to produce and stuff so maybe just having some more hands on deck to help uh you know get things you know churned out faster maybe mm-hmm. um because obviously like hex is not short on ideas for content but you know what they are short on is like being like competitive or you know being like at the very top echelon of competitive teams uh Mm-hmm. So I don't, does that for me, like optic with resources means like they have no excuses now for not being like, for not winning maybe multiple events or winning another championship. So that's kind of the angle I was approaching it from because obviously like, like you said, the the, the content will, will make itself with them. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's valid. I think, I actually think it could be a little bit of both. The reason I took it from the content side was he talked about, followers and like how they were at the top of the game before everybody got that like the fake money as him and hitch like to call it um before everybody got that he's like yeah we were at the top like we were the team we were the team that could be in the position of getting a billion dollar evaluation and becoming public like phase if we didn't have that three-year gap where we didn't have control and we weren't able to like have uh all the content we didn't have the brand for a little bit so that's why i kind of thought he was talking like the resources to like grow the brand but it 100 percent uh i didn't even think of that angle but you're 100 right it could also be with competitive because like he talked about like he made a pretty big emphasis uh in his own eavesdrop podcast that he did with hitch just a couple days ago and the process about talking how like he was paying the player salaries completely like out of like hector rodriguez's pockets like out of his pockets and like he obviously probably like saw that they had sender uh and they had like guys like karma still on staff where he could maybe like pop in and try to give advice and he's like i don't want to pay a full another person's salary when i don't feel like we fully need it because it's coming out of his pocket and not an organization's like an investor's pockets so that that doesn't like make sense like he has the resources now that he's got the backing of investors like hey if we need an snd analyst mid-season like phase hiring tupac we get one because we have the we have the resources to do that so i i definitely think that part's true as well yeah i i just think that like uh you know when you know when he lost the when he lost control like after 2017 and stuff with uh with them like obviously optic was kind of they were lacking in the 
financial backing. That was the only thing that they were lacking in because mm-hmm. like all these other orgs and stuff or a lot of these other orgs, you know, they had the ability to seamlessly transfer into the CDL and pay these salaries. But obviously Hex had to team up with NRG and he kept, you know, Scump and all those guys. Um, but it was probably NRG's money that was getting, you know, going into the salaries and then mm-hmm. you know making the split. He had to find more backing quickly, but he didn't want to sell up ownership again. So that's why this like optic envy merger, like it seems like a match made in heaven, like we've said. Yeah, it definitely is that that competitive and, and content kind of marriage making a perfect balance. Uh and then the last thing, I know you said obviously Halo scene isn't really much of your thing, so you don't know much about these players, but the final thing in the classic hex and like vision process fashion, they had like a little like hey videos over and then all of a sudden little music starts playing hex walks over he's about to grab his uh call of duty world championship ring and then he's kind of like nah camera kind of fo- gets that out of focus focuses it on the halo world championship ring and he picks that up and he goes over to the elevator opens it and out walks the new halo team uh they have pistola apg lucid and trippy on the roster i know a pretty good amount about pistola and apg lucid and trippy i believe are newer players i might be completely wrong but i don't know too much about them because i've i'm only really like an og halo watcher i haven't watched like much halo 4 or 5 and then the coach's lunchbox, uh, another one of like the top five to ten players of all time, an absolute beast. Um, one of literally like un- undoubtedly a top ten player in Halo history. So like a pretty insane coach. Uh, and then Pistola is like I was telling Kyle like the best comparison possible. I literally like couldn't come up with one before the podcast, but like he's at the same level that we say of like a Clayster. He's like that three to five range for like best players of all time. Uh, he's way up there. APG is one of Maniac's best friends, I believe. Uh, he's been an optic in the past. Another like top 20 player of all time using that Halo top 20 series and kind of a cool thing to see. I mean, optics back in Halo. Hopefully that's going to help Halo blow up. Uh, hopefully we can get some of those Halo fans to come over and check out some Call of Duty since they're back. Uh, good for the Halo scene. Good for Optic. It's it's awesome to see them getting into other esports because uh, maybe that means more are coming. Maybe that means Valorant teams coming and all this stuff and CS is coming and we can get more fans to cross pollinate from over there. So excited to see the Halo announcement. Excited to see optic kind of getting back out there and not just being stuck in in cod and uh and content they're finally able to get back out there and get some more esports under their belt yeah well it kind of touches on uh what was kind of revealed in the uh on the flank is when they were uh hex and hash were asked if if optic would be solely in call of duty or if, if the name would be branching into other esports and they said yep it's gonna do that and then uh obviously like you know Hex wants to announce things on his own terms, and uh, thankfully, Leaksy didn't leak this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and he has connections to that scene. He could have leaked, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's in the corner with his mouth taped shut or something. But uh, yeah. yeah, but yeah. So kind of exciting to see. Uh, at least you know they're they're making this announcement pretty early on, and obviously the game just dropping today, so it, it's pretty hot news. Yeah, and we have we have a little more Halo stuff to talk about, but we'll save that for a little bit and kind of dive into Vanguard because I feel like probably most people listening to this are more interested to hear some thoughts we have on Vanguard than Halo, but uh, it involves a lot of your probably favorite players in formal, so we'll talk about that a little later, but kind of getting into Vanguard now. Uh, we've seen some teams play scrims. Obviously, we talked about S&D tournaments. Uh, we've heard GA talks. So we'll kind of get into some of that stuff, but first, being teams uh, playing some scrims, I mean, I know we heard like it was going to start after Thanksgiving, but... Now it seems like pretty much everybody's going ahead and just started them anyways. Uh, we've seen a lot of people have been saying like FaZe has been struggling and Respawn. 
Um, Optic's been looking dominant. I think I've heard a lot of like Minnesota is struggling. I think Paris has been surprising people and playing a little better than they thought. So like things are all over the place. I mean, anybody that's taking scrims and saying like this team is easily going to be the best team in the game, this team is going to suck this year and they're struggling, like chill. It's it's the first week of scrims. People are literally learning how to play the maps and how to rotate and where people are spawning and things are kind of chaotic. We don't even know the full meta. What is the meta for guns? We don't fully know yet. Like we have an idea, but we don't know if it's going to settle on that. Like we don't even know if snipers are going to be in search. Uh, just a lot of crazy things are going on, but I, I think people are just looking for ways to like know exactly how the teams are going to play out. So they're looking to read a little bit too much, but it's interesting to see that we've seen teams like phase, not just absolutely dominating scrims kind of like they did all of last year. And uh, also interesting to see maybe Paris isn't playing as bad. And I don't know, teams have started scrimming and we're finally getting a little info. Yeah. It's just kind of funny to see the, um, the reactions on social media, like obviously optic is uh, taking like, more than 50% of the maps off of phase. So then, you know, that kind of creates the, uh, the old, Oh my God, uh, it's optics year versus the, Oh my, it's too early. Like just settle down. And then yeah. uh, conversely, if optics losing, it's like, Oh, it's too early. And then all the, the anti-optic people are like, see, they suck. Like they got to bench somebody or whatever. So it's just, it's just kind of funny to see the reactions. I'm not putting a terrible amount of stock into early scrims. Um, I haven't, admittedly been watching a ton of uh twitch streams either uh just kind of seeing the the uh the aggregated results and stuff but uh just kind of interesting uh you know obviously teams said they were going to wait until after thanksgiving i <laughs> that went out the window so <laughs> um just to kind of see the competitive rule set get get implemented and then obviously we're getting into all these like gas and everything it's just kind of making my head hurt yeah there's so much to talk about and so much moving parts, but I mean, yeah, like you said, you can't put all the weight in scrims. I do think it's it's not. I'm not trying to say like you can't put anything in scrims, like early scrims. But they're definitely something to like to be put into it. Usually, if a team starts red hot and they're dominating one, they're usually gonna they're dominating everyone. They're usually gonna carry it into the season a little bit, and they're gonna start the season hot. And if somebody is really really struggling in the first couple of weeks, that usually is gonna carry over, and they might struggle a little bit in the beginning. Like it definitely isn't like something to completely write off, but like. If you're putting all your weight into these scrims, like you need to chill out. Uh, next thing, though, auto tax sprint potentially banned in the CDL. Uh, it was a slasher tweet. He was talking about how like it won't be banned in the CDL rule set, which the way I read into this is like it's not going to be banned in like league play in the CDL or like the custom games like CDL search. It's not going to be banned in there. But like there's going to be a way that the CDL like goes into like the players accounts for matches and like auto tax sprint is like turned off as an option. Like you can't turn it on even if you wanted to. So I don't know if that means like tax sprint is going to be completely like taken out of like the CDL league matches or if it's just auto tax sprint is going to be banned. So they have to actually button mash and break their controllers. But it seems like there's a potential that auto tax sprints either out of competitive for the pros or just not an option. And I know that's going to cause a lot of controversy because a lot of people like to argue they should be able to use it. And like a lot of the main ARs say, no, you should absolutely not be able to. Yeah, I just think that like tactical sprint has no place like in call of duty like ju- just just leave it at one sprint speed i Amen. think the, the only reason it's in is because it's running on the same engine as modern warfare slash Warzone. yeah um so just for simplicity's sake I, I believe that's why they left it in um yeah so if, if we can just get it somehow disabled uh because i certainly don't like breaking my left stick every <laughs> like every night I, I play call of duty um 
I haven't gotten into this one yet, but like I'm just I'm not looking forward to having to like learn some like slide mechanic and everything. Um, so if, if if we could just take that out of the competitive aspect, at least, um, I think obviously it has a place in Warzone. The map is huge, and you, yeah. you need to get around, and like the movement is pretty fun with tax sprint and everything. But uh, just for competitive sake, I, I, I just so we don't have to yell about like people using ats or something like because it would obviously be a big issue for challengers because they're not they don't have these private accounts and stuff so mm-hmm. just to avoid any kind of like controversy and stuff like just take it out of competitive altogether yeah i agree it has no place in call of duty 100 uh kind of before we move on to the next thing uh, a funny thing what auto attack sprint is obviously if you've heard me talk about it a million times i don't have to get into it but i'm not a fan of modern warfare not a fan of warzone and like the squad that i play with we all basically just play ranked. We're not, none of us are fans of Modern Warfare. None of us like Warzone. It's like a running joke now. And we're all playing pubs together. If we like, we all have auto attack sprint on because we're trying to get used to it because we think that's what you're going to be able to use and what you're going to have to use to make your movement smooth. So we'll be running and our gun will fly up in the air and like it'll cause us to not be able to get our gun up in time to shoot somebody in like a gunfight. And we just say, thanks, Warzone. That's what we say every time we lose a gunfight because of auto attack sprint. We're just like, yeah, thanks, Warzone. Why is my gun flying in the air? Uh, kind of a running joke something i think is funny every time like one of my friends likes to rage a lot and like when he screams thanks warzone that kills me every time uh but next thing we had to talk about pros trying to ga snipers i mean kyle let's talk about this one a little bit because i don't want to get so heated on the podcast because this one pisses me off yeah i mean i don't understand the whole thing uh with <clears throat> GAing snipers i i think snipers definitely have a place in uh in competitive i do agree that they need to be restricted in some degree of like a you should probably only have one person allowed to run it on your mm-hmm. team um and b obviously with the uh with the um like the custom class builder and gunsmith and stuff uh just restrict like attachments that make it like a quick scope like god machine or something like you can i, I, I have think no we, attachments yeah, I, I think we saw a lot of like fun sniper play in like the in the variant tournaments and stuff. I don't think I, I don't think there's a reason. I, I think teams that want to restrict it are just like they don't have a good sniper, or they're just being like you know filibusters to to fun, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I think it, I think snipers should be in. I, I don't think they're broken in the sense that like you can you you obviously can restrict them to be uh you know not like quick scope auto lock stuff like that um but yeah so but that's just my thoughts i i, I want to see them in competitive yeah they they need to be in competitive i mean you can sit back for 20 30 seconds and just laugh at me while i say this but like my first thoughts on it are if you want snipers jade get better uh, I'm sorry that you suck with snipers and your team doesn't have a good sniper and you want an advantage in search because you're going to get destroyed by Simp or Dashy because those teams have a good sniper. Uh, like, I don't know, just suck less is my first thought on it. Like, get good at sniping if you think they're broken uh, and you think Simp is destroying you. Well, Simp destroys you with a sub and he'd probably destroy you with an AR as well. So, like, it's not going to matter. Simp is still going to dominate you. Uh, like, that's what he does. I, I think that getting snipers out of the game is a weak mindset. I think it's for people that uh, maybe aren't good with a sniper or don't have a good sniper on their team and they just want an advantage in search. Snipers, A, 
I think pros have to remember at some points, like if if they're GAing stuff and they're getting something that is just completely and utterly busted and broken out of the game, yes, that makes sense. But you cannot sit here and tell me that like snipers are absolutely completely busted. I mean, we've seen obviously we didn't see it last year because people thought they were OP and they were GA'd, but we've seen in so many games a player pulls out the snipe and they cost their team the game because they aren't picking up kills. Uh with the sniper, I mean, your favorite player, Octane, he he struggled a little bit when he was on Optic in World War II with the sniper. He definitely, I think, lost them some search and destroys when he had the sniper. And that's like a give and take because we know if Octane has the AR out, he's beaming people and he's going to make plays. But he struggled with the sniper a little bit in World War II is like the one that sticks out to me. And he he kind of maybe costed a couple searches where if he had an AR an AR out, they would have done better. Like, it's it's not that big of a deal. Like, if a guy pulls out a sniper, like this, this would be happening. If snipers are this broken, it'd be happening in every COD. Like somebody would pull the sniper and they drop 30 kills in an SD and you won't be able to move. Like it doesn't happen. It's like every once in a while you see like the simp BO4 takeover game, like with the sniper and, and he dominates, but that's part of what makes it exciting. Like one of the most famous COD clips over the home over the last how many years is, uh, Miles screaming like simp after he's on Arsenal making that crazy play on the unit squad at champs where he quick scopes like three people like flying up and like hitting some insane shots on them and like dominating around like it makes for some of the most exciting times in search and destroy which can be a very dry game mode at times because there's not a lot of action going on like snipers don't need to be GA'd if you think they do get better and they need to be in the game like they're not getting GA'd. If they get GA'd this year, I'm just going to lose full and I'm going to have to watch some more boring search and destroy of people just pre-aim with ARs. Yeah, I mean, like you said, there's a give and take with people pulling out Sniper. Obviously, you're like you're probably losing an AR presence on the map. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we saw a lot in the last game with Sniper's Modern Warfare. That if they don't get an initial pick, they're kind of like out in the open with a pistol. Like, um you know may, maybe save a few like quick scopes or something they're looking for another you, you can't gun. quick scope in this game they scope in so slow yeah so i mean i think the give and take is equitable enough for you know to to justify putting them in the competitive rule set that's just my thoughts yeah and also especially in this game cuz like smokes at least seem to be working you can smoke out a lane to like block a sniper's line of sight also Everybody talks about how fast you kill in this game. Well, if a sniper overpeaks, you can team shot him and kill him in like one second because it takes like three bolts to kill with an STG if you have the right attachments on, maybe four. So if he wide peaks, he misses one shot, you can kill him. Also, tack and flak are in the same class set. So if the sniper is using tack mask, you can double nade where you know he's going and kill him. Or if you know he's using flak jacket, you can chuck a stun at him and then push him out. Like it's not like with the, how fast the time to kill is in this game. Uh, it's it's if any game should have had G8 snipers as BO4 because you could stim and like there's no punishment. But like in this game, like if you overpeak, you are getting ripped with how fast the time to kill is. So, like there are ways to counter a sniper. So I mean, they don't need to be G8, especially with this game with smokes working and not being able to use tack and flak at the same time. Like there are ways to counter a sniper. Just like that takes out so much of the strategy of the game. Like there's so much strategy involved with setting up your sniper to be able to make plays and why like shutting down the other team sniper by throwing your nades in the right spot and smoking out the right lane so your people can cross like it adds so much strategy to the game they need to be in there but i'm done ranting about it because i'm gonna lose full if i talk about it anymore <laughs> um speaking of the ga and snipers though we have also current ga and meta talk i mean obviously right now the meta seems to be kind of settling on sdgs for the ar and then mp40s for the sub i mean there's a little bit of talk with the automaton being potentially the other AR. Some people are arguing for it. Some people think it's better. One of the notable ones, I saw Tom Gravity, one of the top challengers ARs. He was kind of vouching for the automaton. 
to be uh, the meta AR. He thinks it's better uh, with how fast it shoots and how much of a laser beam it is. But uh, meta seems to be settling on that. Some of the GA talks, I think people are talking about GA and the Gammon bomb, which is basically like a grenade that blows up the second it impacts anything it blows up. But uh, it seems like we're kind of settling on that, the STG MP40 meta. Uh, I don't think there's another sub that's really challenging the MP40 at all, but maybe the Automaton challenge in the AR, and that's, that's kind of where we're settled. Yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of letting you letting you take the reins on this, but yeah, it definitely <laughs> it looked like a lot of STGs, MP40s. So uh, obviously, another two gun meta, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, it's four v four. So I mean, would do you re- like? Did we really think there was going to be a third gun in there, like like for the flex or somebody to take on? So um, I don't know. I, I I saw some people using. There was another um, like a side loading mag. Uh, SMG that oh I'm not yeah exactly the sure. I'm not exactly the, sure the name of it is type but... type 100 or type something yeah that uh, one looked like I mean it had a pretty fast TTK but I I think that's just the nature of the game everything is kind of like yeah insta beams but um yeah I mean just with uh with Bloom on SMGs though I don't know if you want to discuss that oh a little God, bit that's but... ridiculous yeah um yeah so basically if like if you guys don't know what Kyle is talking about, uh, like Bloom is kind of a thing. It was in Halo a little bit. It was in Fortnite, obviously. It's basically like where you shoot your gun, the bullets don't go exactly. Uh, but it's only on subs. Like in AR, where you shoot your bullet is where it goes. Like if I'm if my my red dot is on somebody's chest, the bullet hits there. If that's when I shoot it. For subs, like if somebody's far away, you're it's basically almost like you're hip firing them. Like your bullets are gonna go within a certain like little radius, but they're not going to go exactly where you're shooting, which is just the dumbest thing ever. Like the game should be hit scan. It's actually was like that in BO4 as well with the SOG. Like it, you had to lead your shots from range, which is super dumb considering ARs don't have to. And then uh, towards the end of the game, they turned the SOG into hit scan. That's when it started frying. And that's when simp really came up. Uh, But for some reason, it's like basically like the idea is when you shoot your sub from any kind of range, that's not like basically right in the same room as somebody you don't actually know fully where you're shooting. It's kind of just random, which is dumb, but kind of your talks about like having a flex gun, the automaton I feel like is so close. It's so close to being, it reminds me so much of the Maddox. It's got a super fast fire rate faster than the sub in the game almost, which is kind of like what the Maddox was. It doesn't recoil same as the Maddox. uh, And it's got a little more mobility than SCG. The only thing is that mobility, you're kind of slow with it. I feel like if they like increase the mobility you have and and the speed you can run with the automaton, we're actually so close because it shoots so fast and beam so good from up close we're like we're like right there with having the automaton be a flex gun but it's not there uh i could potentially see it maybe working its way into the meta though but yeah bloom is ridiculous i don't know if you have any other thoughts on that no just kind of uh maybe with the uh with gunsmith and stuff maybe there will be room to build like a an smg version of an ar that's the only thing i could think of like if we want to build like a, a fast STG class or something, as opposed to like the the post up STG, or like get the automaton in there and build it up to be like a faster moving gun. I don't know. Just kind of some thoughts. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure stuff will be GA'd though, so that'll probably go out <laughs> the window in a in a few days. But um, but yeah, yeah. I I would love to see the automaton be able to speed up and become that like extra gun that somebody used just to add more variety. But um, next thing was kind of how the comp modes are looking. What would be our preferred uh, third game mode? It's looking like it's probably going to be control. Uh, like we said, maybe CTF is still the dark horse, but looking like it's going to be control. I think that'll play decent in this game because it'll be the one game mode spawns aren't completely chaotic on with 
control basically having like set spawns where you continuously spawn in your base. Um, overall, the comp modes, I think search and destroy looks really good. Uh, the bomb glitch, obviously, where you can see when somebody's diffusing is kind of ruining search and destroy right now. It's supposed to be fixed this week, hopefully. I mean, my God, it shouldn't have taken this long. Uh, but I feel like search and destroy is looking very good, I think, with with that being fixed. And hopefully them actually adding the setting they said they were going to and like allowing the doors to be removed. Uh, I think we have potential to have one of the better one of the better search games we've had. Uh, the doors and the barriers uh, are really ruining it right now, though. Like there are a couple uh, like Demansk is that's the worst search map of all time. I talked about on the last podcast. We won't get into it. it. It's like the worst map I've ever played for search. But one of the other reasons it's terrible besides being able to just camp on top of that building is I believe the A bomb site has seven different doors you can go into i I saw Uh, that and like two or three just like breakable barriers that's just too much that's too much going on there shouldn't be eight entrances to a building and like a million ways to break in and like you can't like make a play because like when you go crashing through a door people hear it and they just like focus it on it like it's just dumb there shouldn't be that many ways into a room if they take out like the doors if they add the setting that they said they were going to where you could take about take out barriers and doors like i think search is going to be a good game mode this year i think it's going to be one of the one of the better ones we've had if that's the case uh hard point i mean you can get into this too hard, hard point's a little iffy uh, obviously it's basically still squad spawns uh, i mean you can still spawn people out but like i don't know hard point's a little too chaotic people like i think the clear thing was i was playing eights with uh, my friend and my cousin and like some of his friends and like on castle we were like basically one of the hills is in like the back corner of the map and we were there and we pushed out to the hill maybe left like five steps of room behind us all four spawned behind us when we when we team wiped them like in the back corner of the map like spawns are just a little ridiculous they need to be ironed out i I hope they can get pros in kind of like they did during iw and uh have them help out with spawns because hard points looking a little iffy right now but search is good yeah i uh i have a big gripe with like the the doors and the barriers and stuff like i think a lot of these maps are kind of being like ruined almost because like you Mm -hmm. can shoot through uh you can shoot through barriers and like get a small little sliver angle on something. And it's just so cruddy that like, nobody's ever going to check it. Yeah. Um, and then also like, uh, I don't know, just the, I don't know, just like, I don't feel like these barriers and stuff like, like bursting through a door, like crashing through a window has any, like, it's just so like unnecessary. Um, yeah. Like we saw, like we see normal Call of Duty maps play so well without needing doors and stuff. Like, just keep doors for like Warzone or something. Like, I I think they're just like building all the stuff like with the engine on Modern Warfare, and it's like just take another day and like take the doors out or something. Like, uh, I don't I don't get it. And then um, to get to like what we think the third game mode is, uh, I don't know. Have they announced control yet, or is that just kind of some rumored thing? Um, no, it's basically, I, I think the pros learned this week from like what we saw on Twitter. I think the pros learned what the third game mode is. Uh, control is just basically like the unconfirmed rumor. Like it's, it's like what it's like looking like is likely to be the mode, I think. Right. But I mean, yeah. I, I think that's probably the best option. I mean, CTF could be very good as well, but with the way spawns are high, I don't know about CTF. Yeah. So, I mean, the one other thing is like, are we thinking the maps are like the appropriate, like for how fast the movement is and stuff and like how it's just kind of just like a fly, fly, fly kind of deal with like how fast you need to move and get into engagements and stuff. Like the maps are big enough to handle control. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So that, I don't know. It seems like that would, 
I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Control is a pretty easy game mode to understand for, um, you know, for yeah. casual viewers as well. Um, so is CTF, but I, I think there's, yeah. um, I guess there's like less ways that CT or that can control could go wrong. So I'm not exactly sure. Uh, I'd like to see them give CTF a try just to kind of for the old time's oh, sake. But uh, I'm thinking it probably would be control if I'm if I had to put money on it. But with uh, but yeah, with the way hardpoint is in this game, I almost wish we'd go back to like the the jetpack formula, and I wish we'd go hardpoint search, uh, then control, then CTF, and then search to finish it out. That's what we did in the jetpack games. There's only one hardpoint in the series, and then like in Black Ops Three, we had uplink and CTF. I kind of wish we'd go control and CTF with the way spawns are in this game and how chaotic hardpoint is. Like. One hardpoint game might be enough, and then in two game modes where spawns are controlled and CTF and control, uh, it might be kind of fun to watch. It might be more interesting in this specific game, but it's looking like we're going to get control. Uh, but I'm I'm 100% on board with you. I, w- I would love to s- at least try out CTF and see how it looks. I think maybe that's what they might do if both game modes come at the same time. They might have the pros try both and kind of figure out which is going to work better, but I'd also be completely down for CTF. Uh, the maps might be a little big for it in this game because typically a lot of the best capture the flag maps of all time have been some of the smaller maps in the rotation but we'll we'll have to see when the time comes if they actually release those game modes because we still don't have them uh but next thing we want to get into was what changes need to be made with the game i feel like we've discussed some of the things obviously like we discussed our thoughts on some of the gas and auto text print and stuff uh i think we'll both agree that big change that needs to be made we need we need the setting they promised us of being able to take out the barriers and doors like we need we need that change to be made other than that, I think it's just a basic spawn issue. Like, I think we need to just potentially get the pros in to work on like a spawn system and like maybe make it less like you can't spawn on top of somebody in the hill. But other than like some spawn issues that the pros might actually be able to work out with how it seems like Sledgehammer's been cooperating and then um, adding in the setting to remove the doors and stuff. I don't know that there's any like other like super. I mean, those are obviously pretty glaring issues, but I don't know if there's any like super big other glaring issues that need to be that need to be changed. No, I, I think we kind of covered those in our previous talk. Yeah. Then the last the last two things we had, trophy system. Uh I I found this hilarious when the the dev was the dev uh I think he was like the lead designer maybe at Sledgehammer, I can't remember who it was, but he was like, Yeah, I mean I don't know if we're gonna add trophy systems in the game. They aren't exactly, you know, this is a World War II game, they aren't realistic. And then people were like, Yeah, you know, but there's red dots. That wasn't really a thing. Uh, also were soldiers just running around slide canceling corners in world war ii like there's so many things in the game uh there's a couple other things i couldn't think of oh yeah were there flamethrower juggernauts running around in world war ii uh did people just call in a a a pack of dogs in the middle of the battlefield like that like so many things like it's so inconsistent like he says uh a trophy system wasn't around in the time but there are so many things in the game that are like uh like that also probably wasn't around and wasn't a thing. So like, there's no consistency with it. Uh, it sounds like there's potential, like he didn't rule it all. Like he said, like, yeah, maybe, you know, in one of the upcoming seasons, it could come out like in season one or something. So hopefully that's a thing, but the whole argument of like, it's not realistic as to what world war two was, is kind of dumb because I mean, if that was the case, why are there reactive camels? I don't think soldiers were running around with guns that had moving colors on them. Like it, it, the argument that it's because of realism is just stupid to me. Yeah. I, I think, uh, especially if we want to see like tactical and nades, uh, remain yeah. in the game, I think trophies just need to be in or else we're just going to get those GA'd. 
um because mm-hmm. like i think like the nade spam has been kind of unbelievable yeah and i um, actually would be on board with the ga if, if they're not gonna add trophies and i, I wouldn't mind uh either like GAing it or like limiting it to like only two players in your team can use an aid or something all right last thing we had to discuss on vanguard the codcaster i don't know if you want to get into this at all uh the main thing with the codcaster is obviously like the whole hud for the codcaster and everything looks good but uh this year we have like the after action or like where you can look and it shows like non-traded kills traded kills I really like that one per hill i love it that's, that's the huge only, w. That's literally the the one that like the the non traded kills one was like, wow, this is so cool. Yeah. Like, like I know it's like Simp had like a million, which isn't shocking. That's what he does is like Mister Two Piece. So like he gets so many untraded kills, but it's interesting to see. Like you can, it almost is like a way to see. Like we always talk about KD is and everything. KD is and everything. It's almost like a way to see how impactful your kills were in a way. Like if you had thirty kills and twenty of them went untraded, it's like wow. Like you're getting a lot of kills and playing your life like it shows how valuable your kills are as opposed to maybe somebody who has 40 but like almost all of them went traded so like he was basically getting traded on every kill like he didn't ever have like two pieces and pushing out spawns and stuff like it's pretty cool and like even the kills per hill thing is kind of cool and like amount of time they got per hill like the detailed stats are awesome yeah i really think it'll uh be beneficial for people like me and just every viewer really like so we don't have to wait for like the next week or something to like get a round 11 stats tweet with like simp had the highest amount of untraded kills or something where we can just see it like live time and it'll help it'll help really like flesh out some of these numbers like are you playing your life appropriately or like uh is this person just like you know they're getting a lot of like untraded kills but they're not i don't know or like are they getting traded out a lot so maybe their their map presence isn't as good so i think it'll add a lot of uh you know just like armchair analytics for people at home watching like us we can we have a little more to get into maybe (laughs) i I know exactly and also i think like i believe i mean i might be wrong but i believe on that on that like after action report too they also show like the amount of time each player had in a hill and their kills per hill and like That'll also allow us to like if you and I ever for a content piece want to do a deep dive into a certain map and kind of like give our thoughts on like uh, like analysis behind the map like you can see like oh on this hill simp he had he averaged four and a half kills per hill on this uh, on like the three rotations of the map like that's a lot of kills and like he had this much hill time and then like oh that's because phases setup is this like they let a busy push out here they have RC's anchor this spawn uh, and they let selium room over here and then simp takes the hill you can kind of see the way teams play specific kills and then you can look and be like oh well on this hill like phase has their entry sub a bz like play the hill but on this hill uh the same hill optic has dashy their main ar play this hill like why do they play it different who has it more successful like it allows for deeper dives into the game which is something i'm always all for like you can see the yeah, different ways people play hills right yeah, yeah exactly i mean i i just think it's gonna do a lot for um giving more people stats like right away and i I think you know like we've we've definitely seen the move with like traditional sports they want to give everyone like more more and more stats um yeah analytics movement (laughs) exactly yeah so i i think it's great um so just like a a total w with sledgehammer and the codcaster yeah we 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 like to like we always say we're i think we're two of the more fair people in like the scene about that is like we like to give them their criticism where we need to but we also got to give them their props like this is a huge w and like it wasn't something I heard a ton of people crying for and like asking, like, we need this in the game. They seem to more have come up with it on their own. And it's it's an absolutely huge W for 
whoever whoever at Sledgehammer came up with this idea, shout out to you because or whatever team worked on it because this is a fantastic addition to the game and like like I always like to do and you like to do like we got to give a shout out when a shout out is deserved and exactly. criticize the game all the time like you can't just criticize and cry about it. You also got to give shout outs where they're doing. They did a great job with this. Um, right. Kind of moving on to the last pieces of news before we get into our uh, our way too early power rankings is what we're gonna do. Um, the rest of the news we can kind of just touch on because it's not like super big stuff but pristini joined atlanta phase as a substitute i don't think there's much of a shock there obviously his brother twin brother archdiz is on the team um i don't have much to say on this one besides great fit dude can play all positions obviously he's never going to be subbed in for phase unless uh, of an injury or potentially like a covid situation or just like an unforeseen circumstance uh, but he's the perfect sub has chemistry with all the players has played with all of them but selium uh good for content just overall good fit i like i like the move I think if he comes into a match, he they might actually win. Oh yeah, if like if if he subs <laughs> in for one of the subs, like let's say he takes over a Beezy's role as the entry, which is his typical role, like Pristini, Simp, Celia Marcities, that's still potentially a top four team. Oh, I <laughs> like, think yeah, yeah, I think it's a top four team. Like, like they're still really good. Yeah, I mean, like if, so, if he has to sub in for Celium as a flex for a match, they're still really good. Yeah, so I mean, it's just just a really good signing for Phase. Yeah, good on all aspects, my opinion. All right, next thing, Challengers news. Uh, Rated is officially playing Challengers. Uh, another one. I don't know too much to say about it. I think uh, it it's it's good for the scene, in my opinion, because Rated has gained a ton of popularity since he went over to 100 Thieves and started playing Warzone. So I think it'll maybe drag some more uh, eyes onto the scene maybe a little more european viewers who are big rated fans him being one of the most popular european players might drag more viewers onto the competitive scene so excited to see him start competing again obviously one of the more storied european players of all time and uh, i think it'll help bring more viewers to challengers which is something i'm always all for yeah uh exactly what you said you know bringing some war zone viewers maybe 100 these viewers uh into competitive uh or at least following rated uh yeah, but obviously challengers, uh, you know, it's kind of a the passion grind pit. So I, I guess we kind of know the stories that are there. So uh, interesting to see if if he has any success. Yeah, it definitely will be. The other little piece of challengers news we had: classic Shawnee assault exceed our teaming for challengers. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this one? Because my first thought when I see it is kind of a uh, I'm underwhelmed. Yeah, I don't I don't know about. Uh, I, I guess we saw maybe, uh, I don't know, just interesting, I don't know, Assault, Exceed, just, just kind of a, a conglomeration of players. Uh, I don't really know if they're going to have much success or like if they're going to win. Uh, I could definitely see them being like in the elites, like a top eight team if if they're playing yeah. well. Uh, but, you know, who who really knows at the end of the day? It's just kind of a bunch of, uh, you know, ex-pro players. Um, you know, giving it another go. I don't know if any of them are going to be like first up to be picked up onto a CDL spot if teams start making moves. Um, I guess maybe the one I would keep an eye on would be Exceed. You think but so? I I don't know, just just because he's a sub and I don't yeah. know, it doesn't have a, a whole lot of baggage with them. Um, because I I don't think Shawnee and Assault like I I don't think teams are going to be like reaching in for ARs. Uh. I think, you know, obviously we've seen more subs get sub, you know, <laughs> subbed in, uh, yeah. play on words there. But uh, I don't know. Just interesting. I don't know. Not not a whole lot else to say on it. Yeah, I agree. The reason I say underwhelmed is because Shawnee and Assault seems like a recipe for disaster. 
Uh, I see this team exceed plays with a ridiculous speed and a lot of times classic plays with a ridiculous, like kind of reckless abandon and crazy speed. Uh, I feel like exceed can be a good entry guy. Classic can kind of be a good cleanup sub, but I feel like there might be a lot of exceed and classic flying to the hill. Shawnee and assault. Why are you guys still standing in the spawn? Like it's going to be a huge pacing issue. Like Shawnee and assault are kind of known for being statues and super slow and exceed and classic are maybe known for the opposite being really fast. So I don't know. I don't. I think Shawnee and Assault are very, very slow main ARs that probably shouldn't be on the same team together. But we'll see how it goes. Maybe, maybe Shawnee's going to take on the flex and and speed it up. Because if there's if there's one thing we've seen, Shawnee can kind of mold himself to whoever he plays with and be a good glue guy. So I could see him maybe molding into a pretty good flex. Uh, he's done it in the past a few times. But I have all the faith in the world in Shawnee. I'm just a little questioning the team composition composition here. But we'll see how they do. Like you said, I could see him being in the elite and being maybe one of those top eight teams. Uh, that's fighting in there if it's still the same format. Uh, one of the last things we have to talk about for news before we get into our power rankings, Dashy versus uh, Ben Janus seen from the flank. Uh, I haven't seen too much about this one, so maybe you can take point on this, but it basically is like Ben's always been pretty critical of Dashy and maybe him showing up for practice and stuff and his performances. Uh, I mean, to me, the one thing the one thing I'll say about it before I let you take over is Dashy basically is trying to say that Ben has no credibility to comment on Dashy, which I mean, it's one of my least favorite things that people do. They do it to like sports analysts that maybe never played in the NFL. If they're talking about football, like Ben is somebody who's been like a coach and an analyst for phase and been around the team, uh, the COD team back in the day. And like he watches countless hours of COD and he's offering his opinion. And clearly people like to hear his opinion because a lot of people tune into the flank. Uh, I mean, heck, more people almost listen to the flank than watch the CDL. Like a lot of people are tuning in and people love it. Uh, and I'm one of those people that loves listening to it. It's a fantastic show. And Ben is offering his opinion as somebody who puts in a lot of time uh, watching Dashy's craft. And I get where Dashy's coming from. I can understand how it can be frustrating to have somebody who doesn't play and doesn't know the struggles uh, criticize you. I get, I understand the point of view, how that could be very frustrating. I, I, I get it. I get why he can maybe lose his cool and say something about it. I'm not saying I don't see where Dashy's coming from, but I hate when people use the, hey, you never played in the NFL, uh, so you don't get to talk about it. Or you never played professional COD, so you don't get to talk about professional COD. Like, he's still a viewer, probably knows more than most viewers, and he has every right to offer his opinion. uh, And his opinion isn't unwarranted. Like you wrote in our notes here, Dashy's AR teammates have pretty much always had their worst season when they play with him. Uh, He hasn't won since Black Ops 4. Like, I think Dashy's a disgusting player. I both think we think he's an amazing player, but like, I, I just, I guess I'm not really taking a side in the argument. I don't, because I don't know much about it, but I personally just hate when people make the argument that, hey, you've never played this, so you don't get to talk about it. Like, it's like a gatekeeping thing that I just hate. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think a lot of the, the criticism was like, uh, like Ben, like Ben was saying, oh, he plays too slow or he plays too fast. So it's like, so Dashy's like, well, what is it? Like, what, what's the whole like thing? And I, I, and then he's kind of just like t- trolling with his stream and he's like, you know, Ben J's never loaded up. Has he ever ever spawned into a map? Like what's, what's his, uh, you know, what's his ground to stand on for criticizing? Um, or just to be critical. I, I don't think Ben was like coming at Dashy, like ad hominem, like, you know, Dashy's a, a bot or something like he can't play the game. Right. But, no. um, I, mean, I think Ben's been gassing optic is one of the top teams this year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the, the criticism is warranted and, uh, I mean, like, Obviously, uh, Dashy's had a lot of like storylines around him the last few years about like, oh, he's like out till 5 a.m. He's not showing up for practice. He's doesn't really like he doesn't really care. Um, he's just like he's trolling all the time or something. So 
uh, I think, you know, it's kind of all coming to not ahead, but um, just kind of maybe he got a little frustrated or he just wanted to like, you know, troll with his stream. He's obviously all the people in Dashy's stream are like, you know, Dashy homers and stuff. I don't think anybody's in there to like, you know, get dirt on Dashy or something, but uh, you know, definitely a player that has so much potential and, you know, the last few years we haven't seen him on main. So I, I think having him on main now totally like changes how he'll be analyzed as a player. Um, mm-hmm. So I think this is really going to be the first year where, um we get to see or you know i i think it'll the results will speak for themselves obviously if optic isn't performing like let's going back to the podcast or we're gonna have we're you know we're gonna have we're gonna come with receipts if if, if optic's not performing we're yeah. gonna know what we're gonna know why um uh so yeah and just kind of the, the interesting thing where like uh obviously no wins since bo4 and then the ar teammates like so uh black ops 4 it would be crim uh and then in modern warfare it would be slasher and then mm-hmm. uh cold war it would be formal all having uh coincidentally their worst years as professionals <laughs> playing yeah. alongside dashy um just kind of i i did see that on twitter i'm not just pulling that out of my ass but um yeah just an interesting uh dynamic um all although you know those years he was playing flex so like we said uh can't really judge him too much on it but just kind of interesting and uh i don't know just something to look out for um i don't like like you said i, I don't i'm not really taking a side i'm definitely i definitely want to see optic and dashy succeed but uh you know obviously with being on optic though the uh all the eyes the eyes of the entire cod scene are on you yeah so you know if you're not winning people are definitely gonna let you know it yeah and and one of my things on it too is we're kind of on the same like side of things as Ben obviously the flank is on a completely different level uh than what we do but we're kind of in the same way as like what Ben is we're not former pros we analyze the game we like to talk about the game we're, we're basically like analysts in a way that talk about the game and talk about the scene uh, both of us not even being close to ever being a pro and not in the pro scene but big fans that know a lot about the game and we know how to analyze it probably more uh than the average fan and so we kind of sit from the same point of view as him in a way if that makes sense and like my thing is too like dash she's got to understand like you're gonna get criticized as a pro and like any pro has to understand like you're never gonna be perfect you're gonna get criticized but if everybody just every single analyst and every single person that talks about the game for the viewers entertainment just said this player is amazing this player is great he does nothing wrong it would be boring like there's got to be takes out there and if if a team isn't performing people are going to try to find reasons why that's part of sports it's part of esports like i get how we can be frustrated like i said but like my thing is like I, like I encourage you during the year, if you have a hot take and you think a player's playing bad on our podcast, I don't want you to hold back. I encourage you to do it. I'm going to do the same thing. Like I, I encourage criticism of like a team. If you think you know why something's going wrong and guess what? You might be completely wrong. It might not be Dashy's fault at all. I might be completely wrong, but like, I think the, the way that he's almost pushing him for like, like you have no ground is like I said, it's dumb. It's dumb to me. And if everybody just said, Dashy, you're amazing. Simp, you're amazing. Crim six, you're amazing. And like nobody ever had a criticism or a take as to why a team might be struggling. Uh, it would be very boring and it wouldn't be that fun to watch the flank or any of these podcasts, like the one we're doing. Everybody just said everybody was great. It wouldn't be fun. So that's, that's kind of my final thought on it. And we can move on unless you have anything else uh, to talk about. Yeah. Just, just like what you were saying, like with, uh, yeah, just like the the last thing with um, like being open to criticism and just kind of from the perspective of outside people, 
uh, analyzing or just giving their takes? Like, obviously, like, do you do they just want nobody ever to like offer an opinion or? Uh, yeah, I, I I think that's a big way to like grow the scene because obviously, like, like you like started this podcast and we're talking about Call of Duty and then like obviously I joined up and we we kind of like fanalize the uh, you know <laughs> the, the matches in the league and stuff. So obviously having more voices in the scene is a, a way for growth and uh a big uh a big way um so yeah just being open to criticism or or at least not like um like putting it down or not allowing it i i think i think it, it definitely has a place in in the scene yeah it, it always has a place there's always going to be analysts for things and and like Kind of the same thing as like with the best of three podcasts. I started getting into Call of Duty podcasts, listening to theirs, and none of them are former pros or close to being former pros, but they also offer a fan perspective. And it's just fun to hear other people's perspectives because everybody thinks about everything in the world differently. And uh, if you want to make your own podcast on anything, I encourage it. It's fun to do and like got to allow opinions in the scene. It can't all just be from one side because then it's boring if everybody thinks the same way. The world would be boring if everybody thought everything the same way. Uh, but we can move on to the next little thing. We got a couple pieces of news still to get through before we get to uh, our early power rankings, but these should all be quick ones. Uh, Formal told Nade that he's going to play competitive uh, for Halo on Twitch. Uh, we kind of know that Halo is going to be uh, obviously broadcasted on Twitch now. Formal says he's going to play uh, on top of Optic being in the scene. That's something uh, pretty crazy. Formal is going to bring a lot of viewership because he brings a lot of fans over. Uh, kind of shocking that he's not going to play for Optic, but at the same time also not because who knows how committed he actually is. Like the people that optic signed uh, are like long-term committed to playing halo uh, and formal might not be. He might just like try it for a little bit, play a couple events and just decide not to. And obviously they don't want to sign a guy to a long-term contract if he is not serious about competing. So says he's going to play, probably going to have a pickup squad. Maybe he'll team with maniac and have kind of a fun, like orgless squad. That's super popular, but um, interested to see him compete. He's going to bring a lot over uh, a lot of fans over. So good for halo. Yeah, and we don't know the the details if he's going to be on this like Optic Warzone team either. So yeah. what his uh, you know, time commitments are going to be with like playing Warzone maybe competitively and playing Halo maybe competitively. Um, maybe he was just kind of like memeing or something though. That's always something you have to take in, in, into oh, account. Yeah. Of like he just he freely <laughs> gave that he, he just freely gave that information up. So you know it doesn't seem like something that like if, if hex was planning some kind of announcement for formal getting back into halo or something, that seems like something that they would definitely want to capitalize the market on. Um, so maybe formal is just kind of trolling or something. And uh, yeah, so who, who knows, but definitely uh, obviously formal has a, a massive, massive following. So, uh, you know, no matter what he does, he's going to bring the viewership. Yeah, he is for sure. Um, Second to last little piece of news we have here, uh, Paris, way at the bottom here of our news segment, announced their roster. Fellow <laughs> uh, temp, John Decimate. Uh, I don't have anything to say about this roster. We already talked about how underwhelming it is. Um, I think it maybe could potentially be better than their their squad last year, but they finished, what, 11th last year, so that's not saying a whole lot. It almost can't get worse. Uh, they don't put any effort into their content and announcing their roster, so I don't want to put in any effort uh, in talking about them. They've been performing all right in scrims in S and D tournaments. They've got a little bit of potential, but overall, it's they don't they tweet a picture for their roster, so I don't want to put in any efforts talking about them. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe this team will, you know, fight to get out of the bottom four, but I, I think it'll be to- all uphill for them. So I'm not yeah. too thrilled. So yeah, let's at least keep they moving. have. 
At least they have a little more talent in the past, but nothing exciting here. Uh, last thing before we get into our power rankings, uh, talked about a little bit with uh, the flank. Uh, Hex and Hastro talking about it uh, due to like the regional controlling of franchising markets. Dallas cannot be home to another CDL franchise, which is basically what Hastro was talking about, because uh, they own like what is it all of like Dallas and then like north of Dallas is what they own in they Texas. Have, they also have Austin too. Yeah, and it's everything to the north, right? They own right yeah so they basically own that whole like geographical area in texas and then i think like a lot of southern texas they don't own which i believe they were saying houston is in the area that they don't own so like if somebody wanted to come in kind of like the the houston outlaws are in overwatch and then the dallas fuel which is envy's team they're both in there i think he was saying that technically like if a team still wanted to be in texas they could be houston which is another major city but interesting to hear that like we can't have dallas complexity yeah so they obviously uh I think everything's south of Austin. So, like, uh, I think Houston, San Antonio, Galveston, Corpus Christi, all those cities would be up for grabs if somebody, if if another Texas org or somebody did want to go Corpus there. Corpus Christi complexity. Exactly. CCC. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, I mean, so, who? but I mean, like, who even knows where this 12th spot is maybe going to go or where an expansion team might go? Uh, I think, you know, there's still a lot of... Uh, areas within the the u.s and obviously internationally just uh abound with places where you know you could set up a, a home base so yeah yeah for sure uh i think the big the big uh story out of this was the fact that we can't have a dallas complexity which is what we were thinking might happen obviously them being owned by the cowboys they probably want to stick in dallas but that can't happen so i wonder where things could go from here uh i wonder if they could technically take the southern part of texas and also call themselves the, the texas complex complexity or whatever and we could just have two texas teams or something uh but i'm sure that can't be a thing we'll, we'll see how it goes maybe it won't even be complexity and they won't try to use texas but um that was the big thing with that is complexity can't use dallas but we can move on to our, our power rankings if you're ready for that yeah i'm ready all right so for this segment uh this isn't like a super fleshed out like kyle and i didn't spend hours coming up with our power rankings uh this was basically like uh we said we're going to throw them together like what we think our early power rankings are and maybe debate a little bit, see if we want to move our teams around. Uh, obviously, this is like way too early. We saw a week of scrims. We said we were going to base it based on what we think the rosters are on paper. And then also some of the scrim results might play a little bit. Like if somebody's been struggling terribly, we'll maybe drop them a little bit because of it. And if somebody has been absolutely frying, we'll maybe move them up a spot or two because they've been frying. But it's mostly based on rosters and a little bit of scrim data that we've seen. Our way too early power rankings, we're probably going to do another segment where we like maybe a month later a month from now where we're getting a little closer and more scrims and we do another way too early power rankings but we thought since teams are starting to scrim it'd be something fun to do so we'll kind of get into it uh the first spot the 12th spot we just agreed we're going to put empty spot uh for like that washington no longer washington roster that that potential 12 team obviously you can't just rate a team that doesn't exist so they're sitting at 12 so we can move on to our number 11 i've got the paris legion in dead last i don't know if if you maybe differed here (laughs) Paris next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 10. I mean, I honestly think from 10 up, you can actually have different teams. Like there's ways it could shift around. I decided to put Florida here. Uh, I have Florida there as well. Yeah. I, I think the vivid move maybe makes them slightly better, uh, but I still like the upside of the two other teams that are kind of question marks that I put above them uh, over, over Florida, because to me, I need to see big wake prove he can actually be a dominant second sub because there are so many elite sub duos in the league. I think our top 
five, six, even seven, maybe even eight teams have like elite level sub duos. Uh, so I've got to see Awakening do it with a sub before I can move them much higher than 10. Yeah. And I mean, uh, for, for those that I mean, did, we tell them that we didn't tell uh, we didn't tell each other what we were picking. So kind of yeah. surprised that you had Florida that low. But I, I, I just don't I'm, I'm not too high on them I, uh, so far, but I, I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I think they could end up being pretty decent because they've shocked us both years. They've been better really both years than we kind of thought they were going to be. Right. Uh, but I'm just this is a team that I I just don't have any excitement for the team. The other teams I have reasons to get excited for. Like my next two teams, I could see them being worse than Florida, but I have more reason and more question marks and like more excitement involved with them. So they're ahead of them. Uh, but who do you have at nine? I have uh, Seattle Surge. I do as well. I have Surge at nine. Uh, kind of for what I just explained. I mean, I have them over Florida because I could see Florida being better than them. But at the same time, just the potential of Sib and Pred as like maybe developing the superstar players makes them more exciting. I think they might have more like volatility to the squad to make them lower than florida but at the same time i think they have uh just a lot higher potential i don't think i see like potential superstars on florida i think like skies is very good awakening could be very good same with vivid like all those players could be very good but i see two potential superstars on seattle so i put them above florida you got at eight london i have london as well oh man we we might go (laughs) 12 for 12 here I almost moved London for, up for a eleven. Spot. For eleven, really. Um, yeah, I almost moved London up a spot because you know how high this is. Like kind of my my dark horse, my team that I think could make some noise this year. Uh, once again, have them ahead of Seattle because I think they're very similar makeups. To be honest with you, like you've got zero most likely playing the main uh, or Gizmo, but like zero and accuracy are kind of similar players. Uh, skilled players, more like veteran, going to be leaders, kind of leading three young guys, and then Afro and Nasty. Uh, to me, I think they have potential to be like. Uh, I would say top sub duo, but Simp and Abizi exist. Maybe like the second or third best sub duo in the league. Not saying they are going to be, but I think they have that potential. So I think that rises them up to eight. Yeah, and I mean, I don't really know if we've seen a lot. Uh, if we've seen London play a lot either, like, no. um, or at least I haven't been in the Twitch uh, in my limited hours <laughs> per day. But uh, yeah, so I obviously I I don't have a lot of scrim intel to go off of for London either. So. Uh, I, I think that's why they're sitting at eight, but I, I could definitely see them moving up or down based on their performances. Like they're they're one of those teams where I would be quick to I would be quick to move them down if they're if they're struggling. To be honest, just because like we've seen London like you know perpetually struggle, but yeah, yeah, I I think that's fair, and I think I think we're both pretty much putting them here because of the the Paris, Florida, uh, Seattle, London kind of grouping i think we probably both ranked it the same way we basically ranked it for our, uh the teams that we think have the highest potential rose to the top uh and that's london and seattle because of the young players they have i think is probably the same reason you ranked it is is that true yeah all right yeah that's yeah this is where right. we could differ a little bit though because uh, we obviously have the same top seven teams but i feel like especially in the, maybe like the top couple and then like this is where power rankings always differ that like three to seven range where there's all kind of even teams but it's more of like a who do you have faith to take the next step uh for me i think we might differ here who do you have at seven uh it's gonna surprise you i have uh minnesota rocker at seven yeah i have minnesota at seven as well um my thoughts are i've seen them you know struggling a little bit in scrims um and you know like it kind of plays into the narrative that you know a lot of other teams got better um maybe like 
I think they're going to still be a very good team in Vanguard when all is said and done. But right now, I think they might be slow to start. Like, they might not place too well in the first, like, let's say that it's a five major deal and they might not place well for the first two ish majors. But I I think, you know, they're going to be a second half team. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Uh, I think it's funny we both have them at like the seven, eight range because you almost called me crazy when I had them there. <laughs> Our way too early predictions when I said they were borderline uh, down there. But yeah, I think, I think I, you said they might not make playoffs or they might not make champs, and I was kind of, or maybe that's what you said. I don't know, but I was kind of like, appalled. yeah. But if they're if we're ranking them in the seven, eight range, that yeah. is borderline champs. Yeah. yeah, I mean. Maybe in our mid-season power rankings, they'll be like a top five team. But right he, now, he, right now, I think you know definitely in top eight, but uh, close to the fringe. Yeah, here, here's my thing with Minnesota. I think they're going to finish top eight. I think they're going to make it to champs. If that's obviously pending that we have eight teams, is the way champs goes again. But my thing with them is, I actually think like their season is going to go. They're going to power rankings going into the first week of the game. We're going to have them probably seven or eight, uh, and I think. After maybe the first, if we do like stage one, two, three, four, five again, I think after maybe stage one, we might dip them down to eight, nine, ten. We might go on a dip, and then I think they're going to rise up, rise up, rise up, and then eventually I think they're going to get to around, you know, like six, five, maybe push like towards the top. I think they're going to have like a, a downfall early because they have a lot of players in their team that pick up. Priesta usually picks up the game a little bit more as it goes on. Attach usually gets better as the game goes along. Same with Major Maniac. These are players that kind of pick things up as it goes along. Uh, we don't know too much about Standy because we haven't really seen him play like any full game in the pro league so we don't know about him but i feel like they're a team that's going to start low and rise up as long as they stick with the roster so i I feel like they might even dip lower than this to start the year which might sound like a hot take but i think they'll settle themselves in around that that five to seven range eventually yeah i agree all right next team who you got Uh, i hope we differ at some point or it's gonna be really boring if we have the exact same power rankings Uh, i have gorillas at six so do i (laughs) oh no i we're, we're gonna go straight up the uh, straight up the list here um i don't know i i think uh gorillas excite me a little bit more so that's why i put them at six uh i could i could have easily swapped them at seven uh with rocker just based on like the the proven track record that rocker have but uh i was kind of taking a flyer uh hopefully this lag team like you know can at least uh challenge us a little bit to you know maybe throw them in top five-ish or top four even Mm -hmm. if they really start hitting a stride but uh i'm a little bit uh more high bullish on them uh especially to be early performers yeah so yeah that was my thoughts you can tell me if uh you agree or disagree on this one i'm I'm interested to hear i think uh i have leg at six like i said same thing i think this is where we make a line and we say these are the teams that i could see potentially hitting the number one team in the game uh I don't. I'm not saying LAG is going to be the number one team in the game at any point, but I think I don't see Minnesota ever just being like the definitive number one team. Do you agree with that? Yeah, like, I would. I would. I would say that they would always probably play second fiddle to somebody else, even yeah. though they might. Even though that they definitely could win a major. Oh, 100. Um, obviously, I just don't see them yeah. being like no doubt. Exactly. Like Minnesota is the best team, but I think right. this is where I draw the line to say I could see LAG at some point being like, hey, they're the best team in the game, like. I think because I think Gunless has that potential best flex in the game. I think Slasher is elite. And then I think with who can ace him, they have potential to have a top sub duo. I could see if their teamwork is meshing perfectly. I could, I'm could. i not saying they're ever going to be the best team, but I think this is where we hit the, the, the team where we start to say this team has potential best team in the game, like peak. 
I don't think any team below this has that. Yeah, see, I would probably say it would start with our next team here. Or okay, with, that's with fair. My next team. Um, but I, I, I see where you're coming at, and like you know, they definitely have potential. But I just, I just, I just don't think they would ever be considered. I don't think they would consensus be considered to be the best team in the game. I guess I can um, see that too. I, I would say they could settle it. I like at that two three range where they're right. people are picking them to win the next events, but like they're not the favorite. But like you're not going to be shocked if they do. Yeah. All right. Who's your five team? Uh, thieves. I have the thieves as well at back to back LA teams. Yeah. So, um, obviously, uh, make or break year for them. Uh, it seems like, uh, or you know, make or break year for a lot of the players. Uh, oh yeah. Um, you know, they're definitely taking a flyer on some of these guys. I mean, especially like I, I feel like Draza is like so like you know Draza Draza's got to have a good year, but uh, really he's like proven himself, and I'm just really excited. I'm uh, obviously wait. I've been waiting for Octane to have a good year for two years now. Um, <laughs> And Envoy coming in, and obviously the, the name recognition that is behind, uh, you know, Nade and a hundred thieves is just so uh, palpable. And uh, just, I, I think this team could be the best team in the game. Like they have that consensus at some point. Um, and that's why, that's why I was a little bit more hesitant with your gorillas. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also have thieves here. I. I agree with you that Draza shouldn't be in like a question mark year and like a he's got to prove it year, but I think he's going to end up being in that situation. I don't think he should be, but I think when people look at this team, they see Octane, Superstar. They see Envoy. Oh my God, he was an optic. Everybody loves him. They see Kenny. I don't think, I don't, I think Kenny's almost in the position that Scump is with optic. I think he's almost undroppable because I think Thieves is committed to making him their franchise player. Like I think they, I mean, they, pick him up in BO4, they keep him through potentially dropping him there, and then they carry him out of the OGLA team. Obviously, they're not the owners, but he goes to that OGLA team with all the struggles. He survives there. He never gets benched for anything. Then uh, you go into Cold War. They have all the struggles. They make a million roster changes, but who's the steady? Kenny is there the whole time. Like, And Nate has talked about how like this is his guy. Kenny is the guy. He's good personality. He's great in the game. He's my favorite player, obviously, so maybe I'm biased, but it seems like they're almost turning him into a scump like figure. And obviously Nate knows that formula. I think he's trying to turn him into a scump like figure. Uh, and now I think octane is going to kind of be like his formal, uh, since they're following that model of how optic became super popular. I think they're going to maybe keep those two. So like, I feel like octane and Kenny are 100% safe on this team and envoy with his optic following, I feel like is also safe. So like by default, I think almost like Illy draws is kind of going to be in that situation where like, he's going to be the scapegoat if they don't work out. So I do think it could be a make or break year for him by default uh in a way but i do agree this team has 100 percent potential to be the best team in the game that's why i have them at five you want to move on to four? Oh yeah i bet you we have the same team i i think i think you're like sold we have the same list but i think we might differ a little bit who do you have it for i have the new york subliners okay we have a different list okay i have i can't believe that i have subliners higher than you well, yeah, that's kind of surprising, considering I picked them to dethrone phase. Yeah, you're Mr. Subliners, um, and I'm, yep. I was trying to cool your jets a little bit, but I have Ultra here. Yeah, at least uh, at least right now, I just think, uh, you know, they they might be a team that starts a little bit slower. I can see that, yeah. Um, or they, they might not, you know, come out and be in the grand finals for the first major or something. Uh, but I could definitely see them challenging at some point. Uh, you know, to be in that elite tier. Uh, 
and obviously like being four off the rip in in the power rankings at least for me uh is pretty pretty high yeah obviously it's not bad team, at all a team with crim and clay uh i just think the the, the one question might be neptune um mm-hmm. But I I saw a scoreboard where like Neptune had like two and a half minutes of hill time, and then Crim and Clay were like leading the leading the lobby and slaying. So that was just <laughs> kind of funny. Like, you know, maybe maybe Neptune will just be that like you know glue guy or somebody that just like fills in the hole that you know obviously Hydra's going to be slaying his mind out, and Claire just gonna be doing whatever. And then you know if Neptune can just fill the gaps, I think that team has yeah. so much ability to go far. I think they have a lot of players like that too. I think Clay consistently does his job as a main AR better than almost anyone. And I think Hydra can do his job as just like a slayer as good as everyone. And I've always said, I think that's one of the things that makes Krim the goat is he is the best at gap filling. He like, oh, that's why he's best as a flex. He always sees where the need is and he fills it. And he may not be the highest skill ceiling player that's ever existed. Uh, He may not be the best communicator because sometimes he can be kind of hostile, but like, he sees a gap better than anyone and he fills it better than anyone. Like Krim is uh, like the guy to do that. He's one of the best gap fillers. And I, I think this team, in my opinion, maybe besides face has the highest floor. I think you'll agree with that. I think yeah. like, there's no way this team is like, unless something absurd happens, there's no way this team is bad. This team is almost a, like we have them. You have them at four. I have them a little higher. We'll see where I have them, but I think they're almost guaranteed to be at least top five unless things go absolutely crazy. Like they're, they're the highest floor team. So I think they're the safest team to put up here in the top four. Um, but we can get into my team a little bit since we finally differed. I almost forgot. Uh, yeah, I put the ultra here. Uh, I can see putting subliners here and moving ultra up. Uh, we haven't seen like a ton of their scrims. Uh, at least I haven't. Uh, so I don't, I don't know if they've been performing super well, poor, if we don't know, because I haven't seen much of it, but I do think Toronto, you have to respect them at least and put them still up in the top four based on how good they were last year, not making a team change. I just think that subliners are going to, I don't know, the Crim and Clay effect is just always in my head. Like it's so hard to doubt them. Uh, but obviously my favorite player, one of my favorite players along with Kenny is on Toronto and Cami, the best playmaker in the league. Like he's the reason that they're up so high. Uh, I'm just questioning maybe chemistry issues with the whole like, they were maybe going to break up this offseason could come into play, but uh, I don't have any negative to say. It's just like kind of a feeling thing. I just think that uh, phase optic and subliners and whatever order are potentially going to be better teams than, than ultra. I think maybe the ceilings are higher for them, but uh, no disrespect to ultra at all. I, th- I think they're uh, if they're not in your top four way too early power rankings, you're insane. Yeah. I I'll kind of just jump there because I have ultra at my three. Yeah, and um, I have subliners at three. Yeah, so just to speak on Ultra, like I just think they're gonna have a lot more chemistry coming in off the rip to start. Um and like power rankings, like where these teams are are right now doesn't necessarily mean that they'll it'll be where they're at at the oh, end no. of the game. Um but I just think like Ultra have proven us wrong so many times. Like every time you want to say like, oh, they're they're just like they don't have like the flashy, sexy player. You have Cami come out and drop like one of the best seasons we've ever seen as a flex, and like, or I don't know. And then I I'm not really buying into the whole like uh, Kleenex like throwing chalking the vibes because he was looking allegedly looking for a better deal or something. I I think that's total hogwash. To be honest, I I don't think that would like cause the team or i don't think the team would let that cause them any turmoil i think they have such a good thing going for them um that you know they would they would uh you know prioritize remaining like a cohesive unit more than like 
you know, we, we, we can't team with Kleenex anymore because he look he was like allegedly looking for another team. I just think that's like BS in my eyes. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm a little bit higher on Ultra to start, but I, I could definitely see flipping them in uh New York because I, I think the one two is pretty pretty set. Yeah. Yeah, I think the one two is pretty set as well. Uh I don't have too much else to add on. I think you did a good job with it because we just have the teams flipped and I think we both agree that like we can each see flipping them like i would have no problem putting ultra three and subliners four and i think you'd feel the same way you'd have no problem having subliners three and ultra four like i think we're pretty much the same way like they're almost even in our eyes but it was just a feeling thing and i mean if you were going to tell me the one difference in our list was the fact that i had subliners higher than you i, I would have said you were crazy i can't believe that that's what happened but like would you agree they're almost interchangeable at this point like yeah for sure they're like at that same level like i'm not going to say you're absurd for having uh ultra ahead of subliners like i think they're pretty much on the same level but i'm assuming that means you have optic at two and uh atlanta phase at one yeah or do you you have optic one no i have optic at two i think it's uh pretty disrespectful to not put phase at one to be honest for Um, sure i uh, yeah yeah but optic is just like obviously they've been like frying in scrims i i was like oh man they're kind of like looking back at some of their scoreboards and stuff like so who who really knows i'm not gonna throw all my uh eggs in that basket though with like oh they're, they've been good in like november scrims so they're gonna be you know number one team mm-hmm. or something um but yeah i'm just uh they seem to be obviously like from everything that they've said with like uh like interviews and podcasts and the process and stuff it seems like their vibes are like you know they they didn't have any issues with like getting like Ilian Shotzi like accumulated or uh you know integrated with uh Dashy and Scump or anybody. So I, I think that they all like love each other for lack of a better term right now. <laughs> yeah. And obviously they're having like some early scrim success. So hopefully that doesn't put them in a mindset like, oh, we're we're gods at this game, so we can just go like slack off or something because i i think that could <laughs> that might be something that they like they fall victim to maybe like maybe they're like oh man we're we just fried phase and like four straight maps so like we're we're gods or something so like take our foot off the gas and like so hopefully like you know ray and sender can keep them on track um because obviously like we've seen obviously optic has that narrative where they're they're super good at the beginning of the game and then they have that mid-season fall off so uh um kind of projecting a little bit but uh that's just, those are just my thoughts yeah we're talking optic phase coincidentally i have my optic face sweatshirt i just got in the mail on um i agree though i got optic two i got phase one i couldn't agree more that like you said it's almost disrespectful at this point to have phase anything but one uh and i also am not like on the train like i think we both agree that the clear top two teams right now but i'm not like opposed to you throwing like subliners or ultra ahead of them i would disagree but I'm not like, it's not completely crazy. Uh, anything other than subliners and ultra being ahead of optic, though, I think anything optic lower than like three or four is uh, pretty absurd with the way they've been looking. But like you said, don't want to put too much stock. I mean, if we were putting stock into early scrims, we might put optic ahead of phase if we weighed that heavier because optic has maybe looked better in scrims. But I'm not one of those people. Uh, I will say scump teams in optic typically tend to, tend to start years very hot. That's kind of how they roll. Uh, AW, BO3. Uh, even World War II is they started the hottest uh, they were all year, even though they really struggled. Black Ops 4, they absolutely fried and almost dropped zero maps in the first event and won it. Uh, and Dashy's only event went with Optic. 
like they tend to start fast so it's not shocking that they look so good early on like you said it's always the question will they stay focused will they be will they be able to continue it uh that's always the question with them but I think they have potential to kind of look like they did last year and the previous year as maybe the best team in respawn at times. Um, but it just comes down to the fact that it's disrespectful to put anybody above phase right now. They may not be looking as good in scrims, but I mean, I think you can make an argument that Sim's been the best player in the league for three straight years now. Uh, you can also make the same argument for Abizi that he's been the best player in the league for three straight years. Heck, you can almost make the argument for Selian that he's been up there in that conversation. And then you can make the argument that RCS has maybe been the best main AR over the last three years. Like, you can legitimately make an argument that at every position, their players are the best player. Uh, and you have no reason to believe that they're going to fall off from that. Uh, they all seem to still be in their prime and still be motivated. So, to have phase anything less than one is disrespectful. Yeah. Until uh, we see it go past scrims. Like, if if people are saying they're struggling, I mean, they split maps with Optic, I believe, in their last scrim. That's not really struggling. Maybe the fact is Optic's just a good team and FaZe is a good team and they had a, a hard battle. Like, until we see this carry over into, like, FaZe match losses or something, then uh, then maybe I'll move them down. But I, I gotta see it to believe it, kind of. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't really necessarily peg FaZe as, like, an early starter or a late finisher. I think they're just gonna be, like, really good from start to finish. Like, they're like if if they ever f- fell out of the top 3 i think that would be shocking like if if we were to just do a power ranking at like x time and throughout the season if they were ever out of the top 3 i would find that like extremely weird um, oh yeah and i i just don't see it happening which is like why i put phase there i just think that you know obviously they're the team to beat like the whole narrative is like man are you guys building a squad to beat phase like although that that mindset is very narrow I think it's like it's totally where you know everyone's you know where the public opinion is. It's like well, Phase is just so damn dominant that we need a team that's going to beat Phase. So, um, and like you said, they they just have all stars across the lineup. Uh, yeah, you know, not a whole lot else needs to be said, honestly. Yeah, uh, I think I'm a little shocked that our power rankings are the exact same. Obviously, like our consensus uh, is like going to be roughly close, but. I was shocked that we only had like the one the one difference, but that was the last thing we had to talk about. Call of Duty wise, really, uh, we went decently long in this podcast so far from what I said, but we can close it out like we always do. Uh, if you don't have anything else to say about the power rankings, we can get into the down bad sports moment of the week. I think we all know what yours is going to be. Uh, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so um, my Detroit NFL Lions uh, showed their ass on TV this uh this weekend on just yesterday on sunday uh they were playing an away game at pittsburgh uh and the game was just a it looked like a middle school like pop warner game just like (laughs) dropped passes fumbles a weird like i think the score was 16 to 16 which is just like you don't see that every day like usually it's like yeah. you know if you know the NFL scoring usually it's like a ten or seventeen or a, a twenty one or something but to see like sixteen to sixteen is just odd and then the game ended went to overtime uh, the rules of overtime are kind of confusing but like the the, the ten minute period for overtime ran out so the game ended in a tie uh, the Lions kicker missed a. I mean, it was like a forty-something yard field goal, but it just like went nowhere near he the upright. Missed the ball. <laughs> yeah, uh, he. I mean, he looked like he was a manager at a Five Guys Burgers and Fries or something. <laughs> like, it, it just did not look like an NFL player. Um, no athleticism. 
the team is now o eight and one, so they they no longer are gonna lose every season. At least they're gonna have a tie on their record. Um, <laughs> but just so I mean, it's just pathetic. It, it, they're not a <laughs> they're not a sports team. They're I don't they're they're still dressed up in their Halloween costumes or something because they're they're pretending to be an NFL team and they're not. Um, <laughs> so I'm just I mean. I'm down catastrophic about the lions. Uh, and I have been for my entire life. So nothing else is really this. Nothing else is new. Uh, just more continued pain. And I don't know if it will ever end in my lifetime. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you live a hundred more years, they might have a winning season. Uh, it might, it might take that long, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the lions, uh, obviously, uh, like I've said, I don't know if I've actually said it on the podcast or not. I know Kyle and I've talked about it, but I follow him somewhat closely because my sister's a pretty big Lions fan. So she's also been down bad for my entire life. She's a little older than me, but she's never seen the Lions be good either. Uh, but I, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't really know that I have too much of a down bad sports moment of the week because the Colts got a pretty ugly win against the Jags. It was probably a lot closer than it should have been, but they grinded it out. Division games, uh, the Jags and Colts are in the same division. Uh, and those games always tend to be tougher when two teams are in the same division. They play each other. Uh, two times a year, every year. So they they typically tend to have more like kind of ugly, grinded out games. And that's what happened this week. But uh, I guess if I had to pick one, the Bucks are still kind of on their slide, still aren't healthy. Uh, I have about a panic level of zero still on them because, I mean, once they get healthy, they're still going to be the best team in the East. I mean, we've got Kyrie Irving who can't even play in games over here on the Nets who are supposed to beat us. Uh, so I'm not really worried about the Bucks at all. Uh, they, they, they just got to get healthy. I mean... Uh, our starting center, Brooke Lopez, is out with a back injury. We've got Chris Middleton, who has COVID currently, can't play. Uh, those are two of our best players. Our other best player, Drew Holiday, just came off an ankle injury. Giannis has been sitting with an ankle injury. Like, nobody on the team's playing. Um, but I'm not really that concerned. I, I, they're going to be just fine. They'll find themselves back in another deep playoff run. But uh, I think coming back next week, after the Colts play the Bills this weekend, I might have another down bad sports moment coming in. How's my boy Grayson Allen doing? He is balling out this year. Uh, oh I love him so much. I mean, if you know anything about the state of Wisconsin, uh, not too many people are fans of him here. Uh, got a lot right. of big yeah, Badger yeah. fans, and you know he he kind of torched the Badgers in our one chance to win a basketball national championship. Is, is uh, he winning the hearts of Wisconsinites over? I will say he's winning the hearts of the younger fans. I'll say, I think the old heads oh. and the boomers are kind yeah. of still like he's a he's a dirty player. He trips people like. My uncle's a big basketball guy, also kind of a big Carolina guy, so he's not a Duke fan. Uh, and same with my dad. He's kind of like a big old school basketball guy, and all the older people are kind of like, yeah, he's a dirty player. They don't like him still, but like, uh, I, I think he's winning the the hearts of the of the younger fans because, I mean, he's like he's hitting all of his threes. He, uh, just the other night on national TV against the Celtics, he hit a step back in a guy's face to send the game to overtime for three. Uh, He's he's been starting in place of Dante DiVincenzo who's out with an injury. He's he's been balling out. He's playing really well. Just signed an extension with the Bucks too. Nice. He he's been balling out though. He's he's impressed me a lot. But uh have you got anything else to say? Otherwise I can wrap it up. No, I think uh yeah, down bad sports moment. I'm I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, always, Kyle. always always a high point of my <laughs> yeah i mean it's at least it's a consistent thing for the viewers they know they get to tune in every week and hear you just be sad about the lions because they <laughs> just almost never win it's almost a guarantee you know they're gonna lose every weekend uh but 
uh, I think that's it. Well, maybe Kyle mutes out his mic and goes to cry a little bit <laughs> thinking about the Lions. Uh, I can wrap it up here. Uh, that's going to do it for this one. Obviously, like we always say, if you guys are watching on YouTube, uh, this episode went a lot longer than we honestly thought, but that's how it always happens. We get too passionate about what we're talking about and we ramble on, but uh, I think it was another good episode. So if you guys are watching on YouTube, listening on YouTube, be sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe. Obviously, the last video was kind of uh, one of the peaks of our podcast performance. Tons of views, uh, tons of people listening, tons of people interacting with the video. So we really appreciate that. Uh, and then if you're listening on the audio platforms, uh, that was also one of our best audio uh, performing podcasts in, in the few episodes we've had on Spotify and those platforms. So if you're on there, drop a follow. Come on, check us out on YouTube. Sometimes during the year, we're going to post other uh, things that aren't going to get uploaded on the audio platforms, other shorter videos uh, reacting to news that maybe is only five minutes long or something. So come check out uh, the YouTube channel if you're, if you're on there. Uh, Kyle and I's Twitter's uh, the Twitter for the podcast channel. And then Kyle's are going to be in the description as well. Come check it out on youtube uh but that's gonna do it for this one we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening another fun episode uh and we're excited to bring you some more so we'll see you next week with another episode uh thanks for watching and have a great day everyone see you later